Welcome to The Diving Pod. I am Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. So uh, first, Aaron, what we want to do is uh, actually just go back, since this is our first podcast, just you and I in quite some time, since I think our Olympic review, Olympic trials review. Um, so we did get some listener feedback after the Olympic trials review uh, from George Mason diving on Instagram, which I think is Zach Hawley. Um, I believe he is the George Mason coach. Uh, he, you know, he wanted us to reference, we missed, uh, Abby Napton who used to dive for Nebraska. Now it's, he wrote here, she's going to Rutgers. She was the only female to final on both springboard and platform. And if the scores were not cumulative, she would have been second on tower. And at that point in time, and at that time, Nebraska had no 10 meter to train on. Um, Oh, wow. So just wanted to make sure we got that out there. Um, yeah, you know, we, we definitely missed that. That's an impressive story. Holy cow. That's, yeah, so that's awesome. Super, super exciting. So um, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to kind of do with this episode here, Aaron? Yeah, so first off, we're just going to kind of go over the Tokyo Olympics diving schedule. It's nice and early for us in the States uh, at 2 a.m. Eastern time, which is wonderful. And then we're going to go, we did a little, uh, little t-shirt giveaway. Anybody, uh, we, we put it out there for anybody who asks a question, you get in the drawing for a free t-shirt. And so we have a whole bunch of questions that we're going to ask each other and answer. And, uh, at, at the end of that, we're going to randomize some of it. And, uh, one of you guys is going to win a free t-shirt and they're sweet, by the way, they're like the softest material. We got, uh, we got black Heather, we got charcoal, and then we got a navy, and they look, yeah, they're, they're nice. Don't get that light gray one, right, Rooney? Yeah, light gray. Heath, what's the story there? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Aaron decided to uh, mail me one of the diving pod shirts for Zone C. I told him I would wear it around the pool deck. Um, he sends me a light gray shirt. Well, I as an out of shape, former athlete tend to sweat a lot. So everybody just gets to see what I look like when I'm sweating, which was real nice. So thanks, Aaron. That was uh, great. But, uh, but no, honestly, the shirts are super comfortable. They're, they're very, very awesome. And we're just excited. Uh, we got some, some of the listener feedback and some listener questions for this episode. Yes, sir. So, uh, so what we're going to do is we're just going to scroll down through, kind of let you, uh, the listeners know what's going to happen, what days, uh, and what events are going on. And, uh, just you want, tell you, I'll, t- I'll take all the, uh, I'll take all the synchro ones. I think those are all first. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're just going to reference, we do not have a, a participant list uh, in front of us. Uh, I will try to maybe Google that as we're going here. Um, but we're going to do our best to just kind of tell you what we're excited for and go from there. So, uh, so, um, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. The, uh, so Sunday, July 25th is the first event and that is women's synchro three meter final. Now it's synchro. It's only finals. There's no prelims. There's no semis. There's, it's just fine. He's picking a whole bunch of buttons here. Don't know what's next. (laughs) Uh, sorry. So what are you excited for from that women's uh, three meter synchro, Aaron? Well, I mean, we'll see how uh, Allison Gibson and Krista Palmer stack up against the rest of the world. I am jacked to see that double out that they have. 
I'm yeah. sure they're not the only ones in the world competing it. So how that's, you know, fares against the rest of the world, that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, specifically just, I mean, that dive is so huge. I'm really, really excited just to, just to watch that one. And obviously the other ones are important as well, but that's just such a, such an outlier dive in the, in the female competition, especially synchro. I mean, everything has to go right on that and you're doing it side by side with somebody else. So it's got to go right two times at the same time. So, um, moving along Monday, July 26th, that is synchro 10 meter men's final. Uh, I don't know a single person in this one cause we did not send a men's synchro team, uh, for 10 meters. So I'm excited to watch it, but, uh, as a true fan with zero knowledge of who's in it, uh, Tuesday, July 27th, we're doing women's synchro 10 meter final. Remind me who, who made that one for, uh, uh Jessica Parado and Delaney Schnell. Yep. 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 That's right. So we'll see how they stack up against the world competition. That should be a good one. Uh, and then we have Wednesday, July 28th, we have men's synchro three meter springboard. We have Michael Hickson and Andrew Capobianco. Again, the, the, the big takeaways here and the big excitement is here is who we have in the United States. This is the best we got. How does it look compared to the world? Um, and I'm excited to see the dives that Capo Bianco and Hickson do that front four and a half is it's, it's a spectacle. So we'll see if they can get it done on the biggest stage. And then, uh, the last of the synchro. Oh, that was the last of the synchro. Yes, sir. There you go. So, uh, so then we're going to jump into Friday, July 30th. Um, that's our women's three meter springboard preliminary. Um, that's going to like, like Aaron said, uh, all these are going to start at 2 AM Eastern, uh, standard time is what it looks like. Um, so nice and early going to have to set our alarms to wake up or TiVo it, whatever you prefer. Um, you know, I think what I look forward to with this three meter event is, is really just seeing how Haley Hernandez Tuckless you know, compares and if she can still execute it um, as well as she did at Olympic trials, which I have no reason to believe she doesn't. Every time I see her dive, she drills everything. Um, and then Krista Palmer just bringing that big list uh, on women's three meter. And I'm excited to see where the rest of the world is um, from women's three meter. There's some familiar names, uh, the diver from North Carolina. Uh, she has from her Instagram just been diving lights out lately. So I'm really excited to watch her dive as well. She kind of kind of took the NCAA by storm this past year, I thought, um, and some big things coming there for North Carolina and uh, one, excited uh, to see her compete. One thing to mention too, about Haley Hernandez, uh, I'm in the high school setting. So each year they pick the top 100 all Americans for high school and to no one's surprise, she won. She was a, yeah. the best high school diver in the country. But now I, I sent a message out of the YouTube link of her, dive meet that won her that title and i said oh by the way she's headed to the olympics and i sent that all out to all my high school athletes and they're like you're kidding so it's pretty <laughs> awesome it, it'll be pretty cool to see you know a high school senior then now going into the olympics yeah. unbelievable Got it. it's gonna be awesome to just get i can't even imagine what that experience will be like you know you graduated high school like two months ago, maybe a month ago, and you're about to go compete at the biggest stage ever, <laughs> the wild. Um, so following the 30th for the preliminaries, the 31st will be the semifinals and the first will be the finals for women's uh, three meter. 
uh, brings us to Monday. I like August. how they set that up. You know, you get one, yeah. one quote unquote event per day, but it's the same yeah. event as, you know, they do the semis and the finals a day later, but the same discipline, the women's three. I like that. I agree. Um, so a little different here. You have the men's on August 2nd, you have the men's three meter springboard preliminary at 2 a.m. And then you are going to have the men's three meter springboard semifinals at 9 p.m. So uh, looks like they're going to compete uh, early in the, in the morning to mid afternoon and then compete in the evening or it might be actually reversed. Um, I would guess that would be reversed, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. So um, then we're going to go Tuesday, August 3rd. Uh, that's going to be the men's three meter springboard final. So, uh, you know, what are you, what are you excited there? We got Tyler Downs and Andrew Capobianco representing the I U.S. Mean, I'm again, I'm excited for Andrew Capobianco's back three and a half. That's been the talk of at least between you and I yeah. uh, of trials. You know, he missed it twice, hit it once, and that was all he needed to make it. I'm really, really curious to see what Tyler Downs does. I, uh, I know he very similarly to Haley Hernandez, extremely clean, extremely consistent. I just, you know, that, that youth, I am excited for him and I can't wait to watch what he does, but there's, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little nervous energy of like, man, <laughs> these, these kids are only 17. I hope it's not, uh, you know, we, we here in Minnesota, we get a, uh, we get a state high where, you, you make it, you're excited, you got there. And then when you, you're there, it's like, oh man, yeah, you definitely could have dove a little better. So I really do think they'll both pull it together and, and be awesome. But I, I'm interested to see how they do at such a young age. And, you know, if, if they do end up performing well, the next, well, three years from now, and then, you know, another four after that, we're going to have a really, really good team. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you're forgetting about your our new uh, maybe one of our new favorite divers, Aaron. My new favorite diver, Yona, my guy. Yeah, Yona, like wisdom. We got to keep shouting him out. He 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 is my favorite diver. He's the only one <laughs> I've had a conversation with though. So <laughs> no, he's gonna be awesome. I have a really good feeling. I mean, I've seen all his videos on Instagram. He's looking super super solid, and um. You know, we don't know for a hundred percent back, but he did kind of mention, you know, if he were to make finals for four and a half might be making an appearance. And again, when he was on the podcast, he was talking about how tall he is and, you know, the weight that he dives at, that's a really, really hard dive. So, you know, he's jumping to the moon to make yep. that dive. And so I'm excited to watch him and be a fan of Yona's because like I said, we've had a conversation with him and he was an amazing human being. So that'll be fun. Yep. Absolutely. Can't, can't um, you know, forget about Jack law either. I mean, he's an yep. absolute stud. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have the usual suspects, you know, what I'm, what I would be curious to, to hear. And I definitely know there are some coaches that listen to this podcast. Let us know who you're excited for. Um, you know, Todd did that on the last episode, kind of let us know who he was excited about. And I felt like that was really nice. And honestly, yeah, some of the Martin, yep. Some of the best interactions we've had with listeners has actually been when they've let us know who are they excited to to watch dive at these Olympics. Um, so, again, we're just hitting these real quick to kind of get to the main course for this pra uh, this podcast um, to get to the questions. But we just want to get this in front of everybody because this is going to be coming out uh, about a week before the diving actually starts. Um, so now we're getting to Wednesday, August 4th, which is going to be women's 10 meter prelims and semis. 
uh, August 5th is going to be the 10 meter final, which we have uh, Delaney Schnell and why can't I not think uh, Young. Yes, Krista Young, correct? Chris, uh, Ed, is it Krista? It's Young. I, I know her last name is Young. We, I, I thought Murphy Bromberg was going to be the one who made it, and it was um, is it Christina Young? That's We're looking it up. It up. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a wild. Uh... Yeah. But, um, you know, what else are you looking forward to? Any divers that you know of on this one, Rooney? Um, again, similar to the men's synchro 10 meter, the women's 10 meter individual. I, I've, I've lost a little bit of touch with who's there. I was excited um, just to see how it all went at, at trials and, and, you know, who we have representing Katrina. us. Katrina Young, apologies, Katrina, not Christina, Katrina yeah. Young. Um, but yeah, same, same thing for me as men's 10 meter synchro. I am extremely excited to be a fan, to watch these ladies do their thing, but really don't know a whole lot about anybody else who's, who's in the event. Yeah. I think you? Uh, I, the one I'm like excited for is, uh, is actually Melissa Wu from Australia because I remember watching videos of her when I just got into diving. Uh, I think she was doing two, three Oh five on like seven or 10 at the time. And she just had this wicked rip. Like it just sounded like a shotgun going off. And um, so I'm, it, I believe it's actually her fourth Olympics. So I'm really excited to watch her dive. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I follow her on Instagram and, and she just seems like a joy and just seems to still really love the sport. And, um, you know, really kind of gave an inside view as to all the, uh, like the physical therapy and, and preventative exercises she does, which I thought was really great for any young athletes that follow her. Um, which brings us to our, it looks like our last event, um, men's 10 meter platform, which is going to be August 6th and August 7th. Um, you know, so we have Brandon Lociavo and Jordan window, your boy. Jordan Wendell, let's go, baby. I'm so excited to watch him. He's he's at some point or another. I know this is basically every diver in this contest. He's ripped every single one of his dives at least once in practice. Yep. So, you know, if you can put it together, anybody can win this thing. Um, I am really excited to watch Tom Daly. He does back three and a half pike. That's a really, really big dive. You know, a, a lot of guys, that's the decision. You do a Tucker Pike. Um, so that's pretty beast mode. And I got to give a massive shout out to Jaden Eicherman from Germany, the 16 year old phenom. He's a friend of the podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to see how he does. I think he's got a legitimate chance to make the final. And once you get there, who knows, maybe if, okay. if it's your day, he can medal. And so I'm really watching Jaden. I are listening out there, go get it. Let's go. We're, we're cheering for you from the States over here. I'm really excited to watch you dive. The Germany kid, Jaden Eicherman, remember the name. He's going to be here for a long time. He's unbelievable. One day, one day we're going to get him on the podcast. One day we'll get him on. Whenever That's he right. is, uh, whenever he is either in college in the United States or just pursuing a professional career in Germany as an athlete, uh, he will be on in 
what's that? We can start the countdown like two years. I, th- I think two years. We got to wait on Jaden. <laughs> no, that's all right. We'll still be fans. Um, right. So now, now we're getting to the interesting part. So if you want to kind of let everyone know what we're going to do and uh, we'll go from there. Yep. So these are all the questions that were submitted to us to win the t-shirt and they are awesome questions. We're going to start right away. Maggie Foley asked three questions. She asked, number one, what advice would you give to young athletes who are starting their recruitment process? Heath, I'm going to hand that right to you because you are the college coach among us. Uh, um, I'm going to kind of be short and sweet. Um, I, I think trust your gut. You know, when you talk to coaches, a lot of coaches are going to say what they need to, but you're going to be able to find the real coaches that you build that connection with. And I think that that's really important. Um, we've said it, I think, till we're blue in the face, probably to the point where people were tired of hearing it. But, you know, we were both successful because we had great coaches that we built a connection with. Um, and that started before even we were maybe in college. So I felt that that was very important. Uh, and just get information. If, you, if your parents are able to take you to visits, you know, appreciate that your parents are willing to do that and able to do that. Go visit the college. Go look at it. Ask questions. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. I promise you. I've heard some ridiculous things throughout recruiting processes, but, uh, you know, just, just trust your gut and get more information. If you think you have enough information, get more. What about yeah. you, Aaron? I would say, honestly, just enjoy it. You, you probably yeah. will only go through this process one time in your life ever. Yeah. So enjoy yeah. it. If you know you're a really good diver, it's great to be humble. And I love those people that are humble, but at the same time, you need to also understand like you're, you're being recruited for a reason and it's, you know, it's okay to be pampered and go, go to these big football games and, you know, just enjoy it. Like I said, you only get to go through that once. If you're looking at one school or 15 schools, you know, take the time to really, like he said, trust your gut, but, uh, but enjoy the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think one last thing would just be, like you said, you know, be confident. If a college coach is calling you and reaching out, you're good enough. Just remember, like if they're reaching out to you, you're good enough. Yep. All right. Number two from Maggie. Do you think it is better to have a clean list with low degree of difficulty or have a list with higher degree of difficulty that is not done as clean? Heath, you go first again. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not going to give necessarily a, a straight answer on this. So what I would tell you is, um, no, be be knowledgeable about where you are in your competitive season. You know, the example I would provide is uh, something I will do with my athletes here at, at Clarion is going to be the beginning of the year. We're going to do the dives we're really, really strong at to hopefully get our national qualifying scores. And then probably for the vast majority, the remainder of first semester, once they get those scores, we're going to get creative and we're going to be trying new dives and we're going to be pushing the envelope as to what each individual athlete can do. Um, to find out where our capabilities are for that season. Um, you know, so, so we might start with that clean list that might be a little lower, get the qualifying score we need, and then we're going to work to up that degree of difficulty as the season progresses. And then right around, I would say, a week or so into Christmas training, that's when we're really going to kind of hone in and fine-tune things and make those final decisions for where our lists need to be to, to get to the end goal. And for some of our athletes, that will be nationals, and for some of our athletes, that will be – uh, you know, our last invitational of the year. And there's nothing wrong with either option because I want that last meet of the year to be their best meet. So, uh, you know, I think there's a time and place for both. Uh, if you made me pick which one I prefer, 
I kind of prefer like mixing the two. You know, if you have a killer front two and a half tuck, let's make sure we're doing front two and a half tuck. If you can do it for sevens every time, why do it for Pike? If you maybe can do it for sevens one out of three times. Um, but if you have a killer inward, you know, for some men, if they can do inward two and a half tuck, it might be worth the risk. So uh, not necessarily the answer you're looking for, I don't think, but but it's a good hybrid answer. What about you, Aaron? I'm going to answer this from two different perspectives. So I uh, immediately as a high school coach from my high school coaching background, I want to see clean. I That's how I coach. And I, I feel like I do a fair job of that. Something as simple as looking at your toes on a backer reverse entry. That is not something that is taught very often in high school settings. Um, so if I see my athletes or a handful of other unbelievable high school coaches and, and their kids are doing the same thing, they look at their toes, they find that entry and they rip it. I love seeing that. So that is my preference from the high school setting. However, if I were to be a college coach or higher up, I would want the, the DD. I would want the DD. And that just comes from a place of similar to Todd Spawn. He was saying the same thing. You can teach cleanliness. You can teach technique, but you can't always teach raw power and skill and talent. So if I was at a higher setting and there was a guy who did, I have a great example, actually. I competed against a guy. He was division three. He was so incredibly strong. He did two and a half in every direction on one meter and front three and a half. His issue was his head was basically on his sternum. Like even in the hurdle, he's looking so far down. <laughs> he's not in the right position whatsoever, but he was so strong. See, for me, I would love to get my hands on a kid like that and just say, all right, you're strong. I don't want that to go away. Let's just make it look a little prettier. I would love to do that. So there you go. From a high school perspective, I want clean. I don't really care if it's high DD. I was just telling Heath before we got on here, I like all my kids to do tuck. If, if, if I have a boy who has a really ugly pike, you're doing back one and a half tuck and reverse one and a half tuck. And if we continue to stretch the pike and it gets better, sure, we'll explore that option. But I'd rather see you look at your toes and smoke one and a half tuck because the score is going to be really close, really similar. Yeah, yeah. All right. Maggie's third question. What are the most competitive division one conferences? Oh, that's a tough uh, one. I, I, feel I like think it, yeah, it, it all goes to like, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? You know, immediately I think of uh, the big 10 yeah. and the big 10 is what I would consider probably the cream of the crop for those athletes that are at the absolute top. You have Purdue, you have Indiana, you have Ohio State. I mean, obviously, some of those other ones, University of Minnesota with Sarah Bacon. And I mean, you think about the divers and the coaches and everything, but then I don't want to leave out Matt Scoggin either. And then at the same time, those Ivy League schools are phenomenal and all those coaches are great as well. And then you go out to the West Coast and you have schools like Stanford and Cal Berkeley. Like, you can't really go wrong. Most competitive, that's, I feel like that's kind of depending on who you are as a diver, where you want to fit in as a diver and how far you want to take your career. You know, if I, if, if I had to pick a conference that I'm going to say this conference as a whole is the best, I, I think I might have to say the big 10. I'm really trying not to be a Midwest Homer there because I live in Minnesota, but you know, outside of the university of Texas, those next great top schools, they're, they're all from the big 10. 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I go to sim- similar thoughts as you. My my first thought immediately was the Big Ten. Um, just that you you know Indiana, Purdue, Ohio State are always Minnesota. They're always going to have good diving, always. Um, so that that's kind of where I go immediately. Um, but this year, you think about it, you had you had UNC had an awesome year. You know, I'm looking real quickly at uh, the top the top eight from NCAA men's division ones because that was the first meet I could find. You know, you have Purdue, Purdue, Miami, Texas, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, and Utah. So yep. kind of a curveball there. So it's like, you know, you're going to have a good mix. You have the SEC, the ACC. The ACC is always very strong. The SEC, you have – you know, you have LSU, Big, you have Tennessee. Yep. Big um, 12. Yep. So, so you, you do have really strong diving, you know, I would say in the, in the big 12, traditionally, it's primarily just been Texas. Um, you know, WVU has a great coach down there, Carla. She used to coach up at the uh, university of Buffalo and we would dive against them. She always had great divers and she just had her first year there. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind, she will have a very successful program very quickly. Um, you know, so, so a lot of those t- things, you know, if you're just looking at strictly most competitive and, and that's a tough word because competitive means so many different things. Cause you could look at D one, D two, D three. If you look at the NESCAC up in Northeast, up in the Boston area, that conference in division three is amazing. Like there are really good divers, MIT Amherst. Uh, I know I'm missing a bunch Springfield. There's a bunch of schools, Ithaca college, SUNY Geneseo, you know, there, there are some great, great, great co- conferences across the country at all levels. Um, so, I, you know, you might think Division One is where you have to go if you're if you're really good. But the the female diver in Division Three the last few years, her name is uh, Lindsay Ruderman. Um, she competed reverse two and a half tuck on one meter, probably better than a lot of guys I've seen. Um, super strong. So. Uh, you know, there's a fit for everybody, but I think when you look at just competitive, you know, the most talented conference, I'm, I'm always going to be a homer. You know, I like Ohio state. That's probably my team. I cheer for the most. And I think the big Ten's really strong. Yeah. Yep. And shameless plug for division two as well. <laughs> there's yep. a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, everybody's dream is to go D1. Everybody's dream is to go to the Olympics and the biggest, best programs, you, you know, I will never turn somebody away from a division two program if they're capable at division one, you know, we have a bunch of schools in the area here, uh, USD, SDSU, green Bay, whole bunch of good division one teams, but they're not those powerhouses. They're not the Minnesotas. They're not the Wisconsin's they're not Purdue. And so a lot of times those, those athletes, their choice is okay. Do I want to go to one of these smaller division one schools or, uh, potentially go to a, a, a division two school, maybe have some more success. And that's totally just, like I said, I, I shameless plug for division two. It was a yeah. great fit for me. I'm always on the side of, uh, you know, you can be a medium fish in a medium pond instead of being a really, really small fish in a big division one pond. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I think back to it. I don't know how many meets you did where you actually got to compete against division one schools, but at Clarion, it was pretty, pretty f- frequent. You know, our mid season oh, meet is always at all Akron. the time. Yeah. Ours um, was all the time. Yeah. You know, we competed against Pitt and I mean, we held our own against Pitt. Like my senior year, we won the three meter event. I think the women don't quote me on this. They may have won both events. 
Um, you know, so I think that people have it in their head that it's very different. And at the absolute highest levels, it is very different. But if you take the male from this past year at division twos, he stacks up with a lot of those division one divers. He competed 307. He did 109s at one point. He does double out. He doesn't work three and a half tuck. You know, he he's done those big dives and he's done them well. So um, you know, very grateful when we get an athlete like that that really pushes division two forward and and it, it it forces you to get better, which is I think great. You know, it's you see it with Simone Biles in gymnastics. Her doing these crazy tricks that no one ever thought females were going to do only makes that sport better. You know, it, yep. it, it puts her under a magnifying glass to show how amazing. I mean, she's the greatest of all time. You talk to anybody, she's the greatest woman's gymnast of all time, but she's inspiring someone else to be like, all right, that's what I got to do. So, uh, yep. yeah, great, great point. Shameless plug, but great point. Wes is our next question. He asks, what was the moment that hooked you to diving? And was it externally associated with another interest? <laughs> Leave it to Wes to ask like the best question, uh, not the best question, but the one that maybe requires the most thought. I have uh, to think about that one. <laughs> I, I selfishly, I've been thinking about that one for about a week and, uh, and I, and it took a lot of thinking. Um, you know, I came to the sport of diving as a kid who liked to bounce on a trampoline, do some flips, I looked up to my older brother and I always say my older brother's the best diver that never dove. Uh, you know, he would do friggin' back triples on trampoline and get shot off the trampoline and get back up and do it again. And, and, you know, I just went, looked up to him and wanted to be like him and doing all these tricks and played football, did track. You know, my dad was my coach in football. I always say my dad was one of the best coaches I ever had taught me how to do the little things. Right. But I, I got into the sport of diving and, as, as just a whim, something to kill time between football season and track season. Uh, it was truly just my mom saying, go give it a try. And uh, I walked into the pool and lo and behold, I had this three-time national champion, Ken Bedford, who never finished lower than third at any national meet, um, you know, at the college level, which is just insane. Like, That's you, crazy. I mean, anyone who's listening knows what you typically are getting with a high school coach and they're doing their best, you know, unless you get somebody like a Ken or an Aaron you know, it's a blessing. And, uh, you know, I think what it was for me, my first year, I really, I think I like had fun. I definitely had more fun than I did taking it serious. Um, and we did our district meet and I got ninth. I just missed meddling. And I'm like, man, like didn't expect that. And, uh, I, I think it was Ken looking at me and he's like, you can be good at this if you take it serious. And, um, I think for me, that was really one of the moments that I had a coach that wasn't my dad take a really specific interest and let me know like, Hey, you can do this. So for me, it really, it, it went from coach athlete to like, he cared about me as a person and he's like, you can do this. And uh, just that vote of confidence, you know, I think externally, it just, it just made me, you know, like you always think about stuff when you're doing it with your dad, like football games, he's like, Hey, I'm proud of you. Like those little things maybe mean more than any award or anything you ever get. And I think, Ken really gave me that in the sport, someone that it's like, all right, like I trust him and I'll do whatever yeah. it takes. And then I just was fortunate to, to have that again at college. What about you? That was a good question. Though, yeah. Wes. yeah. For me. Um, so I started diving in seventh grade and my coach told me, you know, if you get 11 dives by the end of the year, I might bring you to sections, <laughs> which is our, which is our big end of the year meet before state. I wasn't clearly making it to state in seventh grade. 
And I, I ended up getting 11 dives. Um, fast forward to eighth grade year, I came in after summer camps and I was excited about diving. And the, the kind of the moment, I guess, that did it for me is I had two teammates. They were both seniors and I, I won the meet. Like I won a dual meet. And I, I, beat, I beat all my teammates and they weren't, I mean, they weren't incredible divers by any means. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a tiny little eighth grader. Like there's only so much score I can get, but you know, I had gotten that first taste of like, Oh my gosh, these guys are way older than me and I'm doing something right. I mean, I just beat them and a me, whether it was a fluke and they messed up or I just did well or a combination. Like it was, it was one of those aha moments of, okay, I can be good at this. This could be really fun, but like fast or rewind a little bit back. I got started in diving kind of funny. Uh, my neighbor was a USA swimming kind of a guy. All of his kids were US swimming. We would inner tube on the end of the dock and I would go and do like, I did like a front double off the inner tube off the dock. So, I mean, you're not even one meter off the ground and I'm just flipping like crazy. Came from a snowboarding background. I actually made it to nationals for snowboarding. In what? Yeah. I didn't even tell you what? that. Yeah, two years I made it to USASA Nationals. Uh, they were out in Copper, Colorado, and uh, my dad. So after we did the the jump in the lake, and the, the neighbor dad was like, "Hey, you should really think about diving." And it was during snowboard season. I was like, "There's no way." My dad sat down one night before seventh grade, and he says, "Aaron, this is adult conversation, right?" He's like, "Aaron, I want you to think really, really long and hard." about your snowboarding career and how far it's going to take you. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And then he says, if you want to try diving, there's probably a better opportunity to go to college. There's probably a better opportunity to maybe get a college scholarship. So don't completely shut off diving because you know, you just told me snowboarding, you're not going anywhere. Like you go to the X games, that's sick. Love that. The X Games just concluded this weekend. I was watching it nonstop. But he, he it resonated with me. I was like, all right, I'm from Minnesota. There's no mountains anywhere near here. I'm not doing anything for snowboarding. Why don't I try this new sport? And that was it. I, I tried it the first seventh grade year, came back eighth grade year, got a taste of some success. And then it was, we were off and rolling. So I still get on the snowboard every once in a while, but uh, the body is not <laughs> as friendly as it is when you're in seventh grade and you, you land hard when you're 28, it, it hurts a whole lot more than when you're eight. <laughs> just, just so our listeners know this, I did not know that about you, which is just wild. Aaron might be the weirdest human being I've ever met in the sense that he, he apparently just learning this now about one of my best friends, great at snowboarding, kind of an off kiltered sport, I would say. <laughs> Definitely a weird sport. Re- really great at diving. He also has made nationals in curling, which is just what, what do you say to me? You're like, it's just an excuse to get out of the house and hang out with the guys. <laughs> like, it's so fun, man. Curling is fast. Good at golf. Like he's just good at weird stuff, dude. You're just good. That's hey, wild. I, I knew I couldn't keep up with the football, basketball, yeah. baseball guys. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do the weird stuff and be really good at that. <laughs> yep, for sure. For sure. All right. All right. With the next one. Yeah. Next question from Mackenzie Stelter. What are some tips and tricks that help you work through fear and remain mentally tough? You go first on that one. I have a really simple answer. 
And this is what I tell my boys team. I can't really tell it to the girls team because they're all really smart. But I just <laughs> tell the boys, I say, our team motto is dive dumb, right? As soon as you start thinking, as soon as you get that fear inching in, like, like you will not do what you're supposed to do. So I tell the boys, dive dumb. Trust me. If I tell you you're ready, you're ready. And just go for it. You know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of times that works really well. And I, and I read let's say we're going for a new dive front two and a half for, a, um, for the guy next on our list, Kyler Kavanaugh, he was doing really good front doubles, really good front doubles. And he was like, gosh, I really want to try front two and a half. And I was like, you're ready for this dive. But if you chop off the front of it, you're going to land right in your face. So I need mm-hmm. the exact same top yep. and you'll be fine. And I'll call you out as a backup, but it's going to land pretty close to the water. So you know, we, we're not going to crash, but you're going to crash. <laughs> um, and he did exactly that. It was, he got up on the board, didn't even think twice, sent his hurdle, had a great top. And I called him out and he protected his face just perfectly. It was, it was as good a first try on the front two and a half as you could have had. But that was, that's just the mentality is yeah. don't, don't even think about any kind of fear. And then you'll just, you won't have it. You'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, that that's a good answer. Um, you know, so I actually know Mackenzie. I did not tell you this before uh, the we started. You know, I was Mackenzie was on the pit club team. Like right when I was getting ready to graduate high school, I think I might get this wrong, Mackenzie. I think you're three years, four years younger than me. So she would have been like 13, 14 when I was graduating. And uh, I was I did not get to know Mackenzie very well until she actually was in college and came to me one summer to work on some twisters. I was a pretty good twister. And so tried to help her out. We worked on some full outs some back two and a half twister stuff, but um, you know, this is not like an answer from a coach. This would be an answer from me as an athlete. Um, how did I deal with fear and stress as it related to diving? Um, I made jokes and I laughed about it. Um, you know, for, for those of you that are listening that maybe were on the pit team with me, um, we had um, Doe and Julian Krug and like I, I've said it numerous times, like I just would always crack jokes and it probably made Doe more angry than anything. So I, I hated reversing back two and a half tuck on three meter when I first learned them. Just, I don't know why I truly don't like they were, they were okay dives, but I just didn't like them. And I would do everything to get out of doing them. Like I was, I was definitely scared of them. I hated doing them. So I would like come to practice with cheesy pickup lines prepared to say to Doe to try to make her uncomfortable. And, and I started calling her cookie dough for a while to like, <laughs> just like, but for me that eased the tension of like, all right. Like, and, and once I really embraced that, like I, I always did better when I was having fun and joking around and laughing um, you know, the, the thing that instantly came to my mind as an athlete was uh, Justin Duncan. He was a uh, senior when I was a junior, you know, really looked up to Justin. He, we always joke around. He was the dad on our team. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget it. So Clarion had, had at the time a freestanding three meter. And uh, so everybody's climbing up the ladder and we dove super fast at practice. So you would have three people on the ladder, one person on the top rail, just literally waiting for you to go. And they were on the board. And so I remember I was doing reverse two and a half tuck. It was sophomore year. And I, I, I just didn't want to do it that day just for whatever reason. So I looked over my shoulder and I did not know Justin was behind me at the time. And I was just like, I'm a badass. 
And I said that out loud and then did a really good reverse two and a half tuck. And Justin looked at me after that round. He goes, what the heck did you just say to yourself? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And so it became this like ongoing thing on our team that anytime you were scared or you were nervous or didn't want to do it, you looked over your shoulder and you just like whispered that to yourself. And it sounds stupid, but it really helped. That's awesome. Like vocalizing, like you got this. And uh, maybe that wasn't the best word to use, but it worked. And, uh, you know, as a coach, I, I would tell you, talk to your coach, you know, let your coach walk you through, Hey, you've done the preps, you know, you're, you're landing on your face on front double pike, like take it up and just do a front lineup pike. Uh, trust your coach. Um, I think continue to think back to things and strategies that have worked for you in the past. And that will kind of continue to lead you to, to some success. If it didn't work for you in the past, short-term memory, as Aaron says, dive dumb, forget it. It's in the past. It didn't work. So you, there's no sense in even remembering it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We're going to cycle back. There's another question down here similar to that, but I got another, uh, another thing to, to mention. Um, about one of my past girl divers. So I'll, I'll get there. But uh, Kyler Cavanaugh has the next question. He is one of my divers, a little eighth grade phenom. He's, he's going to be pretty good as long as he uh, wants to be. That's, that's kind of the big thing. He says, what is the highest scoring one meter dive ever? If I'm not mistaken, it is Michael Hickson, inward two and a half pike, which makes sense. That's the highest listed degree of difference. Difficult 3.4 on meter did it for 96.9 points. So yeah. highest ever 96.9. We, we should definitely clarify. That's the highest we were able to find. Um, you know, I, I have to shout this out that uh, I actually am going to send the videos to Aaron here tomorrow. Um, Zach knees at one point for winter trials actually competed reverse and inward three and a half tuck on one meter. He didn't score a ton of points, but he did them, which he might as well got tens in my mind. Um, but maybe listeners, if you know of a higher scoring one meter dive, let us know and we'll reference it in the future. Yeah. That'd be cool to hear. All right. Another one, Thomas Williams. He actually printed the diving pod t-shirts. Thank you. Thomas. Uh, he's, he says, what is your guys most difficult dive? I think he, we have to go based on DD. Oh, okay. It's based on DD for so, me. It was, it was so, double out. You did double out. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was uh front one and a half triple twist on one meter. I did not Ooh. compete it very often, but I did. I did it uh, a couple of times. That was three, one. So, uh, right. my so, only so, claim to fame, I can twist. <laughs> so funny story, actually real quick. I'll be quick about it. So for my double out, not a lot of people knew this, but I taught myself the buildup. So I, I could always do full out timer, you know, front double, full twist, front double, snap out, full twist. Could, could do that in my sleep. I, I might die, but I probably could still do it. And uh, one day I went to the pool with all my college roommates. I lived with eight other men in college. Um, so for those of you who've been to college or can imagine what that was like, it's exactly what you pictured in your head. And so we went to open swims at Clarion. They're like, you need to do something you've never done before. Even if you smack, like just try it. So uh, I remember Seth Brandenburg, one of my teammates, I was like, hey, try to call me out of this twist. I'm going to do front double, double twist. And I taught myself the buildup, came to practice next year, my junior year, and said, coach, I'm going to show you something and tell me if we can work on it. And he goes, okay. And I don't think he knew what I was going to do. And I did the timer, and I'll never forget, Rovat looks at me and goes, we can work with that. 
and, and that's when we started doing it. But uh, but yeah, that that's double out. Double out's definitely the hardest one. What's what's that, the DD at three four? Yeah, the hardest the hardest physical dive I ever tried though was uh, I tried front three and a half pike on one meter, and that was just a lot of dive. I think I remember seeing that video actually. A lot of dive. I, yeah. I'm not gonna say it was technically right. There was a lot of crimp in that, and uh, but but it counts. All right, it was failed, but I'm counting it. No, it counts. It counts. <laughs> All right. Christina asks, how do you stay mentally positive during meets? Let's go from an athlete perspective. Athlete. You Better. and I are very similar. I feel yeah. like on this one, just cause I, I just did a lot of joking around my freshman year. I was still kind of in the high school mindset. And so if I did a bad dive, I was just so angry. I remember yeah. my first meet ever. I did reverse two and a half and I smacked. I was up on three meter and it was, it was a smack. I was pretty flat on my back. And I remember getting out of the pool and I was just so mad. And some of my female teammates were coming over to like, give me a hug, like tell me it was okay. And I would literally like push them out of the way. I was like, <laughs> I do not want this right now. Get away from me. I am better than this. I totally just smacked in front of all these people. I, that will never happen again. And then since that, obviously, um, negative reaction and not good way of handling it. I just decided to, you know, one dive at a time, which is so cliche to say, but I would just goof. I would just goof around. And I would, even if nobody wanted to like talk, luckily I had some awesome teammates and they were always just cracking jokes with me on the side of the pool about whatever it was. And so all of us kind of had that mindset of just, let's just chill. Let's just have fun, pretend it's a practice and then we'll dive really, really well. Um, but yeah, I, I was never somebody who could take it overly seriously and that kept my mentality positive all the time. Yeah. I think, um, you you definitely really describe kind of my mindset as well. You know, I think back to my first USA diving meets as a club diver and, uh, I just tried to take it serious, you know, headphones in and not watching the other people and, and all this stuff. And that did not work. I mean, those are the, those are the worst meets of my career. I mean, I can look back and objectively say like, that is the worst diving I ever did. And it never represented where my skill was. Um, and, and I always say now as a coach, like it's almost a, a disservice sometimes that, you know, what young athletes see is they see Michael Phelps looking angry in the pre-meet pre-race room, you know, headphones on, not, not talking to anybody. He looks angry at the world and and what i always say is that works for michael phelps like you're not michael phelps you know if if music helps you if it's listening to hip-hop if it's listening to opera if it's listening to an audiobook i think i saw murphy bromberg reading a book i've seen divers doing coloring books like i don't care what it is just do what's going to work for you for me i had to watch my competitors like i was competitive by nature so it doesn't work for everybody, but seeing you hit a dive Aaron, it's like, man, I got jacked up. Like one, you're my friend and I'm super excited to see you do well, but two, I'm like, all right, game on. Like, yeah, Aaron brought his sure. game today. Like, let's go. And, and, and we were, we were definitely fortunate. I feel sure that that rubbed a lot of our competitors the wrong way. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, but um, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, uh, I don't think Matt, O'Neill said it on our podcast. I had a separate zoom with him previously. And, uh, he, he tells his athletes, he says, you know, what is your, what's the most important dive? And I'm like, "Mm, the one you're doing. And he's like, it's your next one. And especially at a meet, 
there's there's you it makes no logical or objective sense to worry about what you just did because what you're letting what you just did affect what you're about to do instead of just worrying about what can you do to affect what you're about to do and, and i think that and that's hard you know i think especially for young athletes that's really 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 challenging and and what i always i talk to a young athlete young man who's coming to clarion next year he'll be a freshman this upcoming fall and uh something i told him as i said just do what you do at practice as stupid as that sounds like if you dive well at practice do what you do at practice if you don't dive well at practice and eh, maybe try something different but you know typically you're diving well in practice so you know, find that sweet spot of what you do at practice and then just turn that intensity up just a hair. You know, I think back to a moment that maybe, you know, like you referenced a bad dive. Like I go back to Akron, my senior year, Akron was our mid season meet. You had to make uh, top eight to make finals. And uh, I was diving really well for a semester and, and was really honing those dives in and felt strong. And I, I don't know what it was. I dove at Akron and man, I, I couldn't buy a dive in prelims, like missed everything. My knees buckled on front three and a half pike failed the dive. I think I did front two and three fourths, like flat <laughs> to my back, like just, and I, I'll never, I got eighth. Like I was like, Oh, I just snuck into finals. I walk over to my coach at the time. And, and he, he looks at me, we're in like a team little huddle. And he's like, Heath, you want me to put voluntaries in? Cause you can't do anything right right now. And I'm like, <laughs> And I remember looking at him and I said exactly what I would have said to him in practice. I was like, no, I got it. I just got all the bad ones out of the way. And he just looked at me and he's like, all right. And I mean, I dove lights out. Like, I think I missed nice. the whole record by like three points. And it's like dove lights out the rest of the meet. But, but if I was somebody that would let that ruin my day, like I was never going to recover. He might as well put vols in then. So, yeah. um, you know, so, so kind of to answer Christina's <laughs> question, I think it's, it's trial and error. You know, I, coaches don't expect you to have the answers as a, you know, as a 14 to 22 year old, that's why you have a coach to, to listen to them. And if it doesn't work, look at them and say, Hey, that doesn't work for me. I need to try something different. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Trevor Elliott has a few questions for us. Uh, first one is what is the best way to overcome a fear of a new dive or maybe getting a new in a new environment or like a, like a meet situation or a new school or a new pool? Uh, I'm going to answer the first part of this, getting over the fear of a new dive with a story. I had a young lady. Um, she was coming to our meets as like a timer behind the blocks. She had a friend on the team and I'm looking at her. And I was like, Hey, are you in a sport right now? What are you doing? And she's like, no, no. And she looked fairly athletic, just kind of an athletic build. And I said, well, your friend is a diver. Why don't you just come in for practice one day? And she's like, okay, sounds good. So I'm, I'm teaching her the absolute basics. We're doing a one-step hurdle, nothing more. We're doing a one-step hurdle. She's getting it. She's getting the timing of the board. She, again, I'm, it is athletic. She was doing great. Um, and it was reverses day, but she didn't know what a reverse was. She just stepped on the pool deck and on a dive board for the first time in her life. And so I pulled her over to me and I just said, all right, Kennedy, you're doing a fantastic job with these one-step hurdles. Now, here's what I want you to do. Don't talk to any of these girls. <laughs> next, next time you go up, you're hurdle backflip. And I said, you, you know how to do backflip? Yeah, yeah, I can do them on the trampoline. Like it's the same thing. You pick your knees up, your body rotates around, and you just land on your feet. It doesn't have to be beautiful. If you want to push it out because it's a little like, hey, the board's right there, fine with me. So again, girls team, everybody hates reverses. 
She gets up there, does a one-step hurdle, reverse somersault, first try. And the whole pool deck looks at me like, you jerk. I'm like, what? Girls, it's a reverse. It's not hard. You're not going to die. It is scary. I will tell you, it is scary. The board's there. You can't see it. Sometimes you get your shoulders back. We, we work on these things. But the point of all this is the fear is there always. I'm just so much uh, a proponent of recognize it, see it, say hello to that fear, and literally just wave it goodbye. Like, let's just go. Get up there. You're ready. Get on with it. You can do this. I trust you to do what we've been doing. Now we're just going to take it one extra step and turn it around. And it's been working really, really well. And my confidence gives them confidence. Yeah. I've built a really good relationship with, with, you know, all of my athletes. And that's the thing, you know, if you can say, Hey, you're ready, just go for it. It seems like they believe those words a little bit more. Now yeah. it's not perfect. I still have girls that won't do a reverse dive or a reverse somersault, but for the majority of them, that's, that's what works for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit it pretty well there. You know, you hit in terms of the dive, it's, you, you can't, you can't allow the fear to dictate you doing or not doing the dive. You know, I'm, I'm the first person to tell you like, anytime you're doing a new dive on three meter, you're going to be a little scared. Um, you know, and, and I think communication with your coach, let them know you're scared, let them know you're nervous. Um, you know, something you can do if, if it's maybe a little too much fear is, you just got to do more buildups, do more buildups, do more timers. If it's a back two and a half, you, you know, guess what? You do more back dive tuck. You do more, you know, back one and a half tuck. You do more back doubles tuck. And then guess what? You do more back doubles tuck and more back dives tuck and back lineup tuck. And, and that, that's where you build that. But I think you hit it on the head there at the end is, is build a relationship with your coach. Uh, the more, the better relationship you have, the more your coach is going to know how they need to motivate you. And, uh, and also push you. And, and I think the important thing to remember is sometimes you might not like how they push you, but it might be what you need. Sometimes you might need a hug. Sometimes you might need a kick in the butt. Um, in regards to the second portion of that question, just getting comfortable in like a new facility or a new team, I think just be yourself. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I know Trevor, um, you know, he, he does lessons with us, you know, I, I know he's about to go to college and that's probably what he's referring to. Um, you know, and I think it's important to remember you've done zooms with the team and, and at this point in time and for other athletes that hadn't, haven't done zooms, it's, it's go visit the schools and meet the team. And more often than not, you're not going to pick a team you didn't get along with. So uh, just, just be you. That's all it is. Yeah. And the next one he asked was what are the best exercises in your opinion that are the best for divers? Uh, I'm, I, I, Heath and I are similar in so many ways. I think this might be one of those places where we actually differ a little bit when it comes to exercises and training. I would love to see strong legs, but also very flexible. And then I want strong core. So your ab muscles and then flexible shoulders. And that's it. Like for me, I don't need to see anybody deadlifting 604 yeah. pounds. I don't care. That's awesome. If that's what makes your legs stronger, that's great. If you're trying to set a PR, I, I love that. But for me, I want you to look like Jack law. I want you to be absolutely, I call it skinny ripped. Like you're <laughs> skinny, but you can see all eight abs and you got tree trunks for legs. 
So whatever it is that you need to do um, to, to get to that physique, that image, and, and everybody's not going to look like him. Nobody looks like him. He's, yeah. he's an outlier. He's a, he's a phenom. And you, you compare his body type to Yona and yeah. it's not even, it's not even close. Like those guys look completely different and they're both extremely successful at the highest level going to the Olympics. But when it comes to exercises, I tell all my kids, make sure your core is tight, do some abs, do some back yeah. muscles. You cannot forget about your back muscles. Yeah. That'll end up getting really sore if you only do abs um, and stretch your shoulders, especially for the boys. The boys uh, have really, really and it's if you can't get your arms above your head. So I'm, I'm way more of a, a flexibility and core strength guy than, than let's get in the weight room and grind. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so uh, like Aaron said, we're pretty similar in all regards. And uh, this is one that we are similar on, Aaron. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you so, kept uh, talking to me about how much you want your kids in the weight room, I thought. No, 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 no. So we, oh, okay, Clarion, have never lifted. <laughs> I don't think Robat has ever required an athlete to lift in his life. Um, so I would tell you coming from a football background, that's what I thought. You know, you're getting bigger, faster, stronger, weightlifting. Uh, you know, my first answer for most important act stretch. And stretch, stretch, yeah. stretch morning and afternoon, morning, afternoon and night. Um, especially for the males. I think that it's a little easier for the females to kind of get into that routine for men. It's not something we like doing. I hated stretching. You know, everybody pretends to stretch and sits in their butterfly and, you know, does a hurdle stretch and sits there and whatever, but you, you got to stretch, um, you know, from a, from a lifting standpoint or from a strength standpoint, you know, abs, like Aaron said, but, uh, my mind, I actually told, you this, I believe, Aaron, I listened to this really successful coach uh, in a different discipline, not, not anything really. It was a combat sport. And um, he is a PhD. He used to be a professor at Columbia and he does not make his athletes lift. Uh, his name is John Donaher. If anybody is like nerdy, like me and likes to listen to good coaches. Um, he is probably one of like the greatest mind in combat sports so he does not make any of his athletes lift. And he is probably unanimously considered one of, if not the greatest coaches to ever coach in his discipline. Um, in right now, he coaches, I think, a few athletes, maybe like five to six. And one of them, he's 25 years old. His name is Gordon Ryan. And he is widely considered the greatest person in his sport ever that has ever lived and walked the planet at 25 years old. And he doesn't make them lift in his reasoning which I was really curious to hear. He said, I'm science-based. He goes, you can't show me that weightlifting Olympic lifts is better than body weights because for some people they might do body weight and do a ton of it. And it really helps them and they can be peak performance and do great. Some people might like kettlebells. Some people might do it different ways. Um, you know, and I, and I'm always open to being proven wrong, but that really like stuck with me. He's like, I just encourage my athletes to do some form of strength training and he's like, that might be going out on the farm and throwing hay bales. You know, my dad grew up on a farm growing, throwing hay bales and that man scares the crap out of me because he will eat you. Um, he's just a <laughs> strong dude. Like, you know, you grow up farm, farmer strength. You know, you hear that all the time, probably in your area as well. But um, so, so I just encourage something. I don't, I don't yeah. really necessarily care what it is. You know, if we have student athletes at Clarion that want to want to do weightlifting, guess what? We have a full-time strength and conditioning coach. I will happily meet with him with each athlete, build an individual weightlifting plan. And I have no problem doing that, but I, I'm just big on flexibility. I think you have to work flexibility. You have to work core strength yeah. um, and do something. So, yeah. Another one from Trevor here. 
what are your favorite things to help with twisters? Twisters are kind of an anomaly. Uh, I was convinced maybe for a little while that you either have them or you don't. And there's kind of some truth to that, but I'm finding now that you can teach them and it might be a struggle, but you can, you can figure it out. Um, the big thing I see the most in the high school setting is rounding the corner on the bottom. Yeah. And what I tell all my athletes, let's just take a front one and a half full twist, visualize it with me for a minute. You throw, you pop your heels behind you. You're in a straight position. You get into your twist. What I tell my athletes is I show them on the deck. I said, here, I'm in my twister position. Watch, watch me do a full twist. And as you're twisting your head, I twist to the left. Your head is looking left. Your body is twerking to the left. And when your upper body is done, your hips are not clear. So what I tell my kids is I say, hey, you might have to hold that twist a hair longer than you think to get your hips square so that when you dig in for the water, you're not going to fishtail. You're not rounding the corner. It's nice and square. You can drop it on the bottom. And we've been working that for a long time. I still have a boy who struggles with it. But every time he does it right, he comes out of the water. He's like, yep, I felt it. That was a good one. And every time he does it wrong, he's like, yep, I saw you out of the corner of my eye yeah. because I was not square with my hips. So yep. that's, a, that's kind of the biggest one that I work on a lot is just finishing the twist all the way through your hips, not just your body. Um, yeah. I, I hate seeing that fish tail on the bottom. Like it's impossible to keep your legs together. If they are together, they're facing me and yeah. if they're not together i see split legs so yeah getting those hips square fixes so many things on the bottom and that's what we work on probably the most you know i don't have a lot of guys doing double twists or or back yeah. one and a half one and a half you know that we're, we're pretty simple when it comes to the twisters yeah it's, i think you you hit the nail on the head you know something i like to do and unfortunately trevor knows this that i like to do this is uh I just really like to get back to the basics. Let's get our somersault back. You know, whether it's a hollow body back somersault, front somersault, open pike with a good snap. Uh, and I'm a big fan of going to, you know, back somersault half twist and over rotating a little bit, not, you know, landing flat on our stomach. I don't ever want to see a kid take a shot if they don't have to, but like over rotate a little bit and make sure you're square because then once you start over rotating just a little bit, all it is is a front lineup pike, yeah. um, you know, and, and just a lot of trial and error. And I think, I've had, you know, selfishly, I've had pretty good success with teaching twisters up to this point. And I think it's because I don't take an approach of a one size fits all. You know, I might try to teach the twister the same way to start, but the second I see that it's not working, like, all right, like, let's start using different words. Let's start trying something different. There are times where I literally tell the kids, I go, listen, like, I don't want you to worry about your somersault. I just want to see if we can twist, like, and just get the twist going. Let me see you wrap hard. And the way we'll teach it is, is really more focusing on the dropping of the arm in a back twister. Um, you know, my high school coach, when I learned back twister, he was trying to teach me back somersault half twist. And uh, Ken was like, get your arms through and drop your arm. And uh, we knew I twisted right. So I just dropped my right arm. And when I did that, I did one and a half twist. Yeah. So, so I actually could, I never could do a back somersault half twist. Never. It's a, it's actually kind of a tough dive. I mean, it's a yeah. blind takeoff and a blind entry and it's feet yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I could never do it. I mean, I like to this day, like I could do a back somersault half twist land on my back on a dry board on a, on a trampoline. You have me do it in the water heads flying around it. Couldn't do it. Just could not do it. <laughs> um, 
you know? So, so I think it's just trial and error and I think it's being willing to try different things. And I think sometimes in coaching, we get stuck in our way of teaching things and, and it's not a one, and especially in our sport, it's not a one size fits all. Like at the end of the day, like we're going to try to get to the same point, but we might take a different path to get there. Yeah. All right. Last one from Trevor here. What's your favorite coaching memory? Oh, you go first. I got to think about that one. I got two. I'll try to be brief. The first year I was a coach, uh, I came on the team. We had a young girl named Rachel and uh, she really, really wanted to make it to state and she never had. And I looked at her list. I had been paying attention. So I knew everybody on the team and what they had. And Rachel was talented enough to make it, but she needed to fix a couple of dives. And uh, she was doing back in reverse somersault. And I told her we have to do back in reverse one and a half. I said, it's not an option. We have to do it. If you want to make it there, you have to have these two dives. And she, she bought it like immediately. And she worked her tail off we get to sections and she puts reverse one and a half last. And like, I'm getting chills talking about this. I really hope I'm not going to cry, but I, I, I definitely <laughs> have a soft spot for this. Um, she needed like 32 points to make it to state and she goes up for reverse one and a half and immediately in her hurdle, I was like, yep, she's got it. And she spins it, lands straight up and down and got like 38 points. So she, she made it, but it was, it was, it was barely. And it was just one of those, like, Oh my gosh, I told her she had to do this dive. Yeah. She puts the stress of putting it last in her list. And then not only did she do it successfully, but like, it was just such a cool, I mean, I was holding the score pad, try to score and I'm shaking. Like <laughs> I know, I already know she made it. There's no way it's not getting the scores she needs. So I'm freaking out and I'm, I'm balling. And this is my first year coaching. So I'm like still trying to see if, this is something I can succeed at. I had no yeah. idea really if it was going to work out. And I was just confident. I said, you got to do it and you're going to be great at it and it's going to happen. And that was really, really special. And then I had another one. Um, I had a boy who did back one and a half twister to his feet and back two and a half twister to his feet and sections two years ago, he only needed threes on his back one and a half twister over-rotated, did double twist, failed dive, missed state. <laughs> they, they, yeah. So, I mean, everybody knew he was in. He was going to make it. He, it was a full out. He three warm up, say foot and a half. So I was, I was feeling very confident. So the very next year, he comes back, and we both look at each other, and we're like, we kind of need both of these dives. And so we rearrange the list a little bit, and – we get to back one and a half twister and we both kind of look at each other like, all right, how's this going to go? And he nailed it and it went really well. And then the, the cool thing about that meet is he could have failed his last dive and still made it to state. Nice. So it's one of those little redemption stories of, Hey, last year barely missed out, but this year I was so good that even if I really did miss the last one, I was still good enough to make it. Yeah. Um, that, that's like a tough one. And honestly, it, it's a good thing. It's a tough one. I think for both of us, because it means like we've had a lot of good memories and, uh, I, I kind of have two that, that jump into my mind. Um, you know, one, I think, I think part of it's selfish reasons to be quite honest. Uh, and I think it was, uh, I had a young man, Connor may who, uh, you know, he came to Westminster college at the time from Washington 
And, uh, you know, his grandpa lived in Mansfield, Ohio. So kind of close connection there, but, um, you know, I, I saw Connor as a, as a prospective student athlete and, and he had a lot of the characteristics that it's like, oh, I think, I think I can work with this, you know, had a really good back and reverse dive tuck. He had a killer back one and a half, half for a vol, but he was one of those kids that did back and reverse doubles in high school. And I'm like, ah, like, I hate that. Yuck. Um, yeah. Yuck. And so he came and <laughs> he was doing really, really well all through, all through the year. You know, he, he was doing really, really well. You know, we got our, our Oh five list on three meter. We were getting our dives from tuck to pike on one meter. We we're going to our head. Uh, we even played around with some pretty big twisters there. We did, he, he did back three and a half twister to his head a couple times on three meter. Um, you know, and so we uh, we go to the the regional meet, which is similar to zones for Division One. It's comparable for Division Three, and you know, I had been there with a with a female athlete, Caitlin Fast. Um, you know, she was our first female national qualifier, but at, at this point, I had had no national qualifiers, and and I knew Connor was good. Like you know, when you take your kids to those meets, and it's like I know he's good, but is he just good for my area? And um, you know, we we got to the meet and. And I'll never forget it. My, my now fiance was there with her kids. Um, she, she took a couple kids to the meet from her college at the time. And um, I, I would say I'm pretty stoic on the pool deck. Like I'm, I'm not as, as uh, emotional at, or out there as like Dave, you know, Dave jumps up and down. Dave McCown jumps up and down when his kids hit a dive and, and I get excited, but it's more internal. Um, and, and I remember he's going through his list and, it reminded me of Jason Bauman. He ended on uh, his, his twisters. He ended on back one and a half, one and a half, and then he did back one and a half, two and a half. So, you know, we made it through fronts. We did good, good fronts, good inwards. He drilled backs and reverses and, and he was in first or he was either in first or he was in like second by a little bit. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, he's got this as long as he doesn't do anything crazy. And, um, and he, I mean, he drilled him. I think he did his last dive for like 60 some points. Like he, he wins, wins the three meter event, which was the first event which was actually on my birthday, ironically enough. So nice. I got my first, first national qualifier ever on my birthday, but why it's a funny memory and a good memory is it was a moment for me where I'm like, I can do this. You know, it was something for me that I'm like, I can be as good of a coach as I was an athlete. And the goal isn't to be as good. The goal is to be better. I want to be a better coach than I was as an athlete. But, uh, <laughs> So to, to exemplify my stoicism was I was uh, standing behind the judges, arms across my chest, no look. At the time, I had fairly long hair, beard. Sarah's standing beside me, and Connor hits his last dive. Everybody in the pool knows he qualified for national. Sarah's jumping up and down. No emotion from me <laughs> at all. Arms crossed. He walks over. I'm like, all right, like these are the things we have to work on for nationals. <laughs> and Connor he goes okay like Connor knew that's how I was at meets and Sarah looks at me and goes that kid just qualified for nationals first diver in the program history and you looked at him and said this is what we have to work on <laughs> like yeah we got stuff to work on you know and uh so that was that's cool awesome. you know he went on to get fifth but but you know sim similar memory is uh in college you know I've said it before I was a okay student until my junior senior year and, and I really realized as a college coach, like the goal is to get these kids to graduate and uh, to get them into the real world. And uh, I've mentioned this story before and it, it hits me really, really deep is uh, his name's Carlos Barrett. He six foot two, six foot three, just fish out of water when it comes to diving. He came to me halfway through freshman year, which was my uh, first year at Westminster said, I've never been on a team. I just want to be part of a team. I'll work hard. I'm like, all right. I'm like, can you get good grades? Yeah. 
he could work hard. He could be part of a team. He could not get good grades at first and not at all. And, uh, you know, he came in as a, a bio major, a science major and wasn't doing very well. I'm like, what do you want to be? And he's like, I want to be a doctor. And I'm like, I don't want you being my doctor. And, and, I, <laughs> and I like meant that with like love. And he knew that. And, and he knows that I share this story because it's really impactful for me. And so found out something he was passionate about was theater design. And I'm like, dude, pursue that. Like if you're, I, I tell everybody this, if you're passionate about what you do, you'll make money. I really believe that if you, if you pursue it full force and you're passionate about it, pursues it all the way through, ends up getting his grades really good, you know, super proud of him. And I'll never forget it. He, he finaled in our conference, uh, both boards his senior year. And I go to the back to it's before they walk out to get their awards. And I, I always congratulate every, every athlete that, that top eights or competes. I always shake their hand and I always give my athletes a hug. And, and Carlos just gave, gave me this giant hug. And, uh, and he said something to me that I will never forget. And he just looked at me. He's like, thanks for not giving up on me. And like, he's bawling and I'm bawling. And I'm like that, like, that's the moment. I'm like, this is what you do this for. And that was really impactful for me. You know, that, that was something that I will probably remember forever. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if someone comes in and they're good at first in grades or I don't, Carlos wasn't a great diver. I mean, he, he did at the end of his career, he did, he competed, he successfully did front two and a half tuck on three meter. He died a few times his sophomore year doing it. I got some <laughs> videos that if I showed you, you'd be like, Holy crap. But um, you know, he did it. And I like, even the day he did it, he came up out of the water and he's like both arms in the air. Like he's so happy he didn't die. That kid, he, he did so much for me as a coach and made me a much better coach, but like he was never going to go to nationals or never break a record, but that's not what it's for. More often than not, our kids aren't going to nationals or breaking records. So, right. so I think that was something super impactful for me is like not giving up on him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You love to hear those kind of stories. Yep. Bigger than dieting. Yes. Um, all right. We got two more. Jasmine Ramahi. I'm probably getting that wrong. Sorry, Jasmine. She asks, what dive do you think deserves a higher degree of difficulty and why? I love this question. This is, I mean, no, uh, good one. No dig at anybody other's questions. This is probably my favorite question. (laughs) I have, I have two dives selfishly from my diving. I wish front one and a half triple turn on one meter was higher than three, one. Uh, it's three Oh, on three meter and three one on one meter and let me tell you those two meters is a lot of difference um so i would have liked to see that a little bit higher but it's not a dive that a lot of people do so maybe again reiterating why i think it should be a little higher maybe some more people will do it um the other one is kind of more of a realistic dive and we talked with chris colwell he used to compete reverse two and a half two and a half when he competed it, it was 3.9, and now they lowered it, I believe, to 3.7. I would love to see it back up at 3.9. Yeah. We don't see that dive anymore because it's not worth it. Like, we see a ton of reverse one-and-a-half, three-and-a-half twists. Makes sense. Less flips. One more twist. You can twist. Most guys can twist faster than they can flip. Uh, I just want to see reverse two-and-a-half, two-and-a-half again. I want to see that one make yeah. a comeback. And if it went back up to 3.9, I think a lot more people would do it. Um, is that dive harder than front four-and-a-half? Wait, no, that'd be the same, right? No, front four-and-a-half is 3.8. Yes, correct. 
So is it, that's what I like to do those comparisons in my head is, is reverse two and a half, two and a half harder than a front four and a half. I can't give that answer because I can't do either of those dots. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just want to see reverse two and a half, two and a half again. I, I want to see it. I also want to see front three and a half full out. I'm surprised yes. we haven't seen more people do that. I, I, I don't know what the degree of difficulty is on that one, but you know, front three and a half pipe full out. I want to see that. Yeah. I, uh, where my brain instantly went to was, I uh, I think in we're two and a half tuck on one meter should be a, maybe like a three Oh, not a three one, but, uh, I still think front three and a half tuck and back two and a half tuck on one meter are hard. It's just yeah. so much dive and only for a three Oh, um, you know, I think it's a little bit harder than a three Oh. That's just my opinion. You know, I was fortunate. I, I, I did those dives. I didn't compete the uh, front three and a half or back two and a half. I did in high school with front three and a half, but it's a lot of dive for three Oh, you know, and, and it, it really goes back to Maggie's question. You know, I, I almost always, am going to look at an athlete and say, do front two and a half pike for sevens. We're not even playing with, three, you know, front three and a half tuck. Um, yeah. You know, unless I know we can get it there and, and, you know, with where the sport's going, that's probably going to be the norm in, in five years. Like you want to win a national title and even in division two, you're probably doing front three and a half tuck and a full tuck list for, uh, for Oh five. So that's I was, where my I thoughts was one went. of the, I was one of those weirdos too, for one meter, you know, not only snowboarding and curling and golf, but I liked back two and a half more than reverse and more than inward, which yeah, you're a freak. Hey, that's backwards of everybody else. Yeah, you're I would a freak, dude. I would have appreciated a little more DD on that one. I did back <laughs> one and a half as my ball, and then I did back two and a half. And the back two and a half wasn't good. I'm not going to kid myself. It wasn't very yeah. good. But a little more DD, a little higher scores. We wouldn't have been fist pumping fours, or maybe we would have fist pumped fours more. I don't know. <laughs> that was that was my thing with that dive. If I got fours, like I was fist pumping fours, man. Yep. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. I kind of want to save, uh, save this one for last. You said you had a couple like rapid fires for me. I do. Okay. So a couple rapid fires. All right. I'm so, ready. so far, what has been one of your biggest things you have learned from us doing the podcast? Um, just how asking if someone wants to talk to you is as simple as it is. Like I never would have expected Todd spawn, Jason Bauman, <laughs> Dave McCown. I never would expect expected to have a conversation with Yona, who is an yeah. Olympian. Yeah. You know, we that has been the really the coolest takeaway from this whole thing is if you ask somebody something, they will they will either respond and like the, the the response has been so cool. And I realize that there's not a whole lot out there for our sport of diving, but you know, we're just simply asking, hey, we have a podcast. Do you want to come on? We'll ask you a few questions. And a lot of times people are like, yep, I'm in. And it's just that yep. simple. So yeah, don't be afraid to ask. You know, if, if yeah. you idolize somebody and you're on deck with them, go up to them and say, hey, I know who you are. You don't know who I am, but I'm really interested in learning something from you. Can I just like be behind you while you're coaching your kids? Maybe I'll pick up a couple things. Absolutely. That, that's been that's been incredible. Absolutely. Um, what, what were my other ones for you? Uh, you know, we've, we've asked some of the other coaches this, what would you say your coaching philosophy is? Oh, I, uh, 
I parallel what Jason and Lindsay say, but more importantly, I would say for myself is showing young divers how much I love this sport and how much they can love this sport Yeah. so that they in turn can fall in love with it. Like I have, you know, they see how excited I am at 8am on Saturday morning. <laughs> Nobody is happy to be there, but me, I am so pumped to get in the pool, to get these kids working out. And I'm like annoying. I, I shower before Saturday practice. I do my, like I get ready. I am rolling in. I'm ready for the day. And all these kids are rolling out of bed and they're like half asleep. They're, they're, they're pulling the, the, the eye sand out of, you know, from the night before. And like, I'm just, Hey guys, we're ready to go. Let's get after today. I, you know, so just sending out kind of positive energy in the fat and and then, you know, just making sure that everybody around me knows how much I love diving. It just inspires them to want to try harder and just love the sport as well. You know, I, I, I feel like I kind of got one with, with Kyler coming up here. He's, he's texting me a whole lot. Like, Hey, look at this yeah. video. Hey, look at this guy diving. That's hey, look exciting. at And I'm like, dude, this is what I used to do. Yep. And now he has me to talk to about it where I didn't really have anybody growing up that was as involved as I was, you know, I didn't yeah. have a, I didn't have a coach Rooney yep. in, in my camp where I could have sent a text like, Oh my gosh, did you just see what Christian Ibsen did on one meter? Yeah. Like I was doing that myself. Yeah. And now it's, it's cool to see kind of that next evolution of, Oh, the, uh, his it just I was and I hope we can continue it down the road yeah um who was the most talented talented not best talented diver you have ever seen dive in person oh talented diver I've ever seen in person oh I you know what I had a name come to mind right off the bat and I had a chance to meet her talk to her we were pretty good friends for a little while uh, but Haley Ishimatsu, I, yeah. I went to a meet and she was there and it was a meet where there wasn't a whole lot of people there. It was in, it was in Minneapolis and she was up on 10 meter doing her thing. And I caught her in the crowd and I just sat down right next to her. And I just had a conversation with her and we talked about uh-huh. like, I asked her, I was like, so tell me about 10 meter. Cause it's way up there. It's really scary. And she goes, honestly, dude, vols are way more scary. I was like, <laughs> what? I was, like, I was like, wait, what balls? Seriously? She goes, yeah, you have all that time to think on your way down. It's terrifying. She That's goes, awesome. I would so much rather do front three and a half than, than front dive. I'm like, That's okay, awesome. nice. Very cool. Um, is, is that the right answer? I, I don't know. I don't know why my brain just gravitated towards her. I, again, I got another chance to meet her sister, Tori. We were on oh, a yeah. training trip in Hawaii and Haley was there. Tori was there. And that was the first time I saw you know, That's a cool. springboard national champion. Um, yeah. so she was phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I just got to stick with that. You know, I've, I've seen plenty of guys dive in person, but for whatever reason, I will, I really want to go with Haley Ishimatsu. There you go. Um, I think I had one more. Um, what is one dive you wish you, if you could, you know, rewind into the prime of your career, what's one dive that you realistically, are like I should have tried it. Ooh, that I never tried. You never tried. Ooh. Just to say I did it. 
<laughs> yeah, I got one. Um, I, I, I wanted to try front one and a half four twists on three. Meters. <laughs> I, and I, I know oh. I would have made it. I know I would have made it. It, it wouldn't have been pretty. I, I probably would have had to throw the somersault just a little harder so that when I finished the twist, I was vertical. Yeah. Like there was not going to be time for me to dig it in, <laughs> Yeah. but I, I did want to try that. Nice. And there was one practice. We were kind of like, it was like, Oh, this is the day if you want to try it. But I, yeah, I, I never did. I, that would have been a fun one. Just, just again, for the sake of, Hey, I did it. I tried it. Yep. Is that even a dive? Is that, is that even a listed dive? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look. We'll have to look. That'd be cool. But yeah, th- those were my like rapid fire questions that I was just sitting around today. I'm like, I'm going to ask any of these ones. I feel like they were good. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I kind of wish I would have. So I had this conversation with one of my athletes this past year is I was a very safe diver. Right. Um, I always made sure my feet were underneath me. And yep. so when I did a front hurdle, I never really sent it. I never, I never went just big unless I was at nationals. I did at nationals. I did because I knew if I hit the board, who cares? This is the end of the season. Go for it. So I think I don't remember who was talking about it, but I I would dive safe and I would dive not to fail rather than just going. It was Chris Colwell. I think. No, it was uh, Todd. It was Todd. It was Todd. It was Todd. Todd spawn after, after his diving career, he, he said the exact same thing. He just would go for it a whole lot more. Yep. And specifically the dive in mind is reverse two and a half in practice all year. It was on my shoulders yep. every single time. And then at nationals, I would just get this. I don't care attitude. Even if maybe I'm tight to the board, which I never really was. Mm-hmm. And in national at, at national warmups, prelims, whatever it was, I went way long on reverse yeah. two and a half. And I'd never, I'd never gotten a top like that because I'd never just went for it in practice. Right. right. And like I said to my athlete, I said the same exact thing. I said, it, it, it's, you can do what you're doing and you yeah. can be successful at it. But until you really just kind of let it fly, let it loose, lose some of that, um, that hold back mentality, then you'll be able to go higher. You'll be able to do more. You'll be able to control things, you know, that are boosting instead of trying to make it around and sneaking it in on the entry. So yeah. I, I, I wish I would have dove a little more free. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Those are my questions. Hey, last, last question is from my head swim coach at St. Cloud State. His <laughs> name is Jeff Hegley. Shout out to Hegley. He says, who is the best diver currently between Heath and myself? And the reason I wanted to put this last <laughs> is because I want to generate so much hype around this. I am going out to Clarion, Pennsylvania to see my boy <sighs> early August, the 5th through the 8th, and I want to get on the board and I want to go against him because we're both old and we both don't know how to do it anymore, but it'd be really fun to try. Let's be very clear. Anyone that sticks around long enough on this podcast, Aaron would for sure absolutely (laughs) beat me on one meter. I (laughs) might have a chance on three meter because I'm really stupid. And uh, as we've said numerous times, we both hate losing more than we like winning. (laughs) 
Yeah. Even though Aaron is my best friend, like, all right. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to crush you, bro. Do, do I have one more full out in me? I think so. I will or never I'm I die. Will, I will never touch that dive ever again. I might, so, I might be okay on one meter, but that's what I coach. I get on everyone. When I say I get on the board every once in a while, it's like once a season for the girls and once a season for the boys. So I get on twice a year. And it hurts every single time. Let's be super clear. The only dives I know, I know I can still do back one and a half, one and a half. And then you're getting vols from me on one. <laughs> meter. All right. We're not getting too crazy here. I did tell one of my athletes that if the, if this happens, if this happens, it's going to happen. I have to do back one and a half, two and a half twister high board because I told her, I think I can still do it better than her. Now Ooh. she is way better than I was at my, at best equal age. But, um, so I want, if this, I want to throw, I want to throw a triple turn on three. I think I can still do that one. See, the nice oh. thing about that dive is I don't have to throw very hard. <laughs> so let's put this out there before we, we wrap up here, you know, what number? So you, you get here, I'm looking at a calendar. You arrive August 5th on a Thursday. Yeah. This comes out. I'm looking it up. This comes out the 26th, so that's two weeks. It's about a week and a half. So over 10 days, how many listeners or downloads do we have to get on this episode specifically to do this? Well, it's, I mean, this episode's already over an hour and 15 minutes, so we know nobody's going to listen. So I want that number to be low, man. I want to <laughs> die. Let's, let's, we'll put it on, on Instagram and we'll let everybody know. So, cause we'll put it, we'll do an Instagram live. So what do you think is a fair number? I, I want to say 75. I'm good with that. All right. 75. All right. I'm good with 75 and they can't all be from Minnesota and uh, <laughs> Alexandria, Minnesota. All right. I'm going to uh, go to all my family's phones and hit subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> but uh, no. So, so, all right. I, I can get behind that. So, um, before, before we sign off, I just, you know, I know this one's definitely longer. Uh, an episode is, is significantly longer, but it's fun doing these listener questions. Maybe we'll try to punch one of these in once every other month or so. Um, keep sending us questions. Keep sending us feedback. Aaron's going to take care of everything with the shirt. I have nothing to do with that. Um, so Aaron's going to take care of that. He will notify you via probably Instagram would be my best guess. And we'll get that to whoever the winner is. And uh, just super excited. Um, so Next week, we get to have another surprise guest. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully that all works out. We're going to keep that one a surprise. But uh, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at The Diving Pod. And then our Gmail is thedivingpod at gmail.com. Um, I will let you know if you are the winner of the T-shirt giveaway. We're just going to put everybody's entries in, randomize it, pick a number out. And if that's you, you're going to win and we'll, uh, we'll figure out how we're going to get that t-shirt to you. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.